welcome to the first episode of the Football Media Podcast on the team of John O'Shea's platform. I'm John McKenzie and across the course of the next season, I'm going to be bringing you a weekly podcast that seeks to open up the often murky underworld of the football media. Each episode will bring you an interview with an expert in as many diverse areas within the industry as possible. We've got writers, authors, artists, journalists, broadcasters, event coordinators, lawyers, commentators. If you can name it, we've got it. This week I'm speaking to Connor Ketley, a business development executive for the sports business event company Leaders in Sport. As part of his job, Connor has to keep his finger on the pulse of the sports media industry. And so who better to talk to about Eleven Sports' recent acquisition of the UK broadcasting rights for La Liga and Serie A? In the course of our conversation, we discuss the history of TV broadcasting of football in the UK, analyse how it has changed in recent years, and look at how consumption will change going into the future. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends, subscribe, rate and review on iTunes in order to help us gain exposure, and if you're a social media person, you can follow us on Twitter at T-O-J-O-S underscore, or alternatively, you can like us on Facebook at a team of John O'Shea's. Next week, we'll be talking to Josh Schneiderweiler about the phenomenon of football podcasts, so make sure you tune in then. But before that, it's Connor Ketley and the TV broadcasting of football. Enjoy. I'm joined today by Connor Ketley, who is the business development executive for the sports business events company, Leaders in Sport. Connor, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thanks, John. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Why don't you go about telling us a little bit about what it is that your day-to-day job entails? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, at Leaders in Sport, you mentioned there, of course, um, working on sport business events, which uh, basically means uh, gathering around commercial directors, marketing directors, etc. from um, any sport, really, not just focused on football. You know, it can really range from sort of anything from modern pentathlon to uh, bowls. It really is quite a, quite a range there. But um, yeah, the goal of it is to gather people together, um, you know, listen to speakers, etc. in a room. Um, our biggest event takes place at Stanford Bridge every year and you know features quite high level speakers our uh, most recent event had peter moore ceo of liverpool give a chat about you know how they're looking more at fan engagement etc so uh, my job effectively is to get the people in the room who are in the audience uh, so contacting um, you know various sports clubs sport marketing agencies and getting them to come along and as part of that job it means you have to sort of have a finger on the pulse of the various ins and outs of what's going on in sports media Exactly. So, you know, part of it is uh, staying up to date on the latest trends, etc. I know that uh, one of our speakers confirmed for uh, this year's event in October will be Andrea Radrizzani, of course, the very heavy link with 11 Sports, who've been yeah, I'm sure forefront of uh, everyone's minds recently with the recent deals for La Liga, etc. So, yeah, it's important that we stay on top of things so we can mention them to potential clients, etc. We have to kind of remain knowledgeable in that sphere as well. Mm. So you've mentioned Andrea Rajatsani, obviously the the owner of Leeds United and chairman of of Eleven Sport. To what extent then are you are you responsible for keeping up to date with these sorts of peripheral things like TV broadcasting? Just in the more general sense, do you do you have to know who is thinking of coming in with bids for for new broadcast tranches, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? How does how does that work in your business? 
Yeah, for sure. It's uh, very important to remain on top of these things. You know, um, for example, the uh, the French league uh, lost out. Canal Plus lost a lot of their rights recently. So, you know, obviously that presents an opportunity to me to reach out to Canal Plus and say, hey, do you want to come and learn from our speakers who, uh, you know, might improve things? Do you want to come and network with the potential uh, rights holders, etc., to learn from them and see what they're doing? Obviously, traditional broadcasters like uh, Canal Plus, Sky, etc., have a lot to learn from the likes of, say, Doug out or Bleacher Report who are not focused on streaming but they're slowly moving their way towards it but more focused on their own content production so uh, I know that Canal Plus in particular are very much looking to create their own content now rather than uh, going for other rights to broadcast for themselves. That's really interesting then so it suggests that what you're achieving is in fact staying at the sort of cutting edge of of sports media and 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 allowing a sort of space in which various companies from the outside can come in and can understand what is going on in other areas of of sports industry uh, in order to stay on top of uh, of the obviously ever changing market yeah absolutely in fact we have a specific day uh, called the broadcast disruptors forum which is specifically focused on broadcast and digital advances within uh, sport in general so yeah very much uh, i think that will actually take place at skies hq in Osterley this year um on the 9th of october so that's uh, something exciting to look forward to i think obviously that's uh, i suppose more in our interest in terms of looking at the broadcasters and maybe what the future has to hold in that regard mm. yeah of course well let's move let's move on because obviously tv broadcasting has been behind the scenes of every change i think particularly in f- football uh, over the last however many years 25 years at least because obviously at the beginning of the the premier league before the the the, the 20 Actually, I've got to get this right. I think there was, there was more than 20 teams at first, but the first division split away from the, the rest of the football leagues, prompted by a desire to monetize better. Uh, and that, that desire to monetize better was pushed by TV companies. This uh, uh, awareness that what they had here was a product that was very marketable, wasn't being marketed particularly satisfactorily. And so that that was uh, the move that was pushed through. And I think it was B, B Sky B back then. I think ITV were involved as well, and the BBC obviously. And there was there was arguments about how that that would all be worked out. But obviously Sky controlled the market pretty much from that point onwards. So how do you see things having changed since that point? Yeah, well, I mean, you're exactly right that the early years of the Premier League, sort of the early 90s, etc., I think all anyone ever associates that with is uh, Sky, really Sky Sports, etc. Um, and then, of course, we had all the, uh, sorry, everyone remembers the eras of the Sky uh, adverts with the Ford Focus, etc. And then obviously the Barclays domination era of the Premier League as well. Um, and then, well, yeah, as you mentioned recently, kind of BT Sport over the last few years have really got a foot in the door uh, and taking a lot of those uh, those rights away uh, and most recently as well I'm sure you would have seen that Amazon even have uh, some rights this year around uh, the sort of Christmas New Year time so I suppose it's you know a lot of people complaining the fact that they need to have so many subscriptions to watch all the football that they want to but I guess that's how it's going to normally I suppose you might see a bit of a conglomeration with one company getting the domination but Obviously, it's kind of moved away from that now. I guess there's a more competitive uh, edge. What with the, I suppose, the move to online watching of uh, of sports in general. What do you think is going to change um, from this this original sort of monopoly of Sky controlling everything, and then obviously since then, presumably the company who is in control. I, I mean, I don't know how it works. Is there it do do the Premier League sort of subcontract out? 
the dividing up of the various the various tranches of broadcast rights mm-hmm. yeah so uh, well it's divided into various packages which uh, obviously the one that amazon got was the uh, sort of that around the Boxing Day New Year sort of time, um, which I think is, I suppose, interesting on a different level as well. What with Amazon, you know, they drive their commercial sides on that on that time of year. So they want more people on their site to see the adverts that they've got up there. So maybe quite tactical on their side to acquire those that package in particular. Uh, and then obviously the rest were divided between uh, BT Sport and Sky. I can't remember uh, off the top of my head how many packages there were. It must have been around sort of seven or eight or so. But they would bid on those individual packages and then they would be accepted featuring, you know, various Monday night games, various uh, whatever. Obviously, we know that Sky is the one that's uh, won the Monday night football and made it a success over the last few years. Uh, whereas BT tend to have those, um, I'm not sure, maybe the half past five games on, on Saturdays now, I think it is this year. And the reason why they've split them into those various packages is because they can see themselves making more money in that way. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I guess you, I suppose, need to take into account that the later a game is on in the day, obviously you affect different audiences around the world as well. And I think that's the thing that's distinguished the Premier League and made it so much richer than any other league is the fact that they've kind of ahead of the curve on other leagues in terms of marketing their, getting their TV audience right. So, you know, fans in Asia will be more likely to watch the, obviously, the 12.30 kickoffs on uh, on Saturdays, whereas, obviously, if you're in the States, you're going to watch the half-five uh, UK time games, etc. So this is something that clubs and uh, the various broadcasters would have to take into account as well. So those packages are divided up generally by time uh, considerations, is that right? Um, I believe so. <laughs> yeah, okay. We've mentioned Sky a lot, obviously. Sky were the the driving factors behind the broadcasting of particularly the Premier League. It seems now that Sky are falling away quite considerably. Um, and in many respects, you know, they, a lot of the, uh, the Sky, uh, even looking at the, the next few weeks of Sky coverage, I noticed that Leeds United, uh, one of the, I think, in fact, maybe the highest broadcasted team on their system. Do you think that that's a business decision on their part? Or are they seeing this as no longer being quite so lucrative as it was and so moving elsewhere? I think I think they're all business decisions, really. Uh, you know, obviously they have lost out on the a lot of Premier League rights you mentioned. So naturally, you look to what would be the second tier, I suppose, with all due respect, <laughs> of course. Sorry, John. Uh, <laughs> but looking at obviously Leeds are one of the biggest supported clubs in the Championship. That's a fact. Same with I'd say you know Aston Villa, etc. You'd expect them to be on television more so than uh, the likes of I know Burton were relegated, but you know the the lower teams in that division the reddings etc probably won't be on tv as much and that is a conscious business decision it's very much about increasing the amount of people who will watch that game Mm. let's talk a little bit about the other leagues around europe because obviously one of the big news is well some of the big news has been that sky no longer have la liga rights they were outbid for those rights by 11 sport was that again obviously it's a business decision but is, is the thinking behind that business decision this is no longer a profitable source of, uh, of, of viewership for us. Uh, yes, you you would have to think so. I think the I can't remember if it was an official kind of a message that came out, but it was more that they just didn't see it being worth what Eleven Sports had uh, put forward for it. And uh, I'm not sure if you've seen that Eleven Sports have recently kind of released what their packages are going to entail. I think it's uh, five ninety nine a month or fifty pounds for the the whole season, etc. So. No, Sky can't really compete with that because when you want to buy Sky Sports, you have to look at, you know, you get offered the option of Sky Movies, you get Sky One, you get Sky Atlantic. So they cannot compete on cost on that front because 11 Sports 
are really do what they say on the tin. They're offering you exactly what you want, very much tailored, which I suppose is how things will have to go. Because, you know, for example, I don't want to be watching, you know, UK Gold. I don't want to be watching Dave, etc. I can just buy 11 sports and I can watch the sports that I want to for a much a considerably lower price. So what we're seeing here then is a, a, a shift away from that sort of package deal that Sky used to offer, which was you can get everything that you might want to watch in any area to we're going to narrow down your consumption to very, very um, small subsections of those of those wider categories. And that's that's where the consumption is going to go. Now you you curate your own watching habits rather than saying as we used to do obviously and before we had tv packages at all when it was just here's five channels or four channels that you can pick from and you just have to make do with it and we've seen that in, i guess in the radio as well right where it used to be the case that we would listen to radio you'd listen out for the programs that you wanted now with podcasting etc you can just download whatever it is that you want onto your um listening device and then you cur- curate your your listening habits accordingly so that's what's happening in TV broadcasting with football. Yeah. That's what it would seem to be. Obviously, it's. Uh, I think a lot of people, when uh, you know, I guess every ear is as busy as the last. But it's very much when people consider themselves this busy, you want to be able to get exactly what you want, exactly when you want it. And as you mentioned, obviously the podcast. If you're listening to the radio, you can't. You have to be on at a certain time. If you've got the podcast, you can download it. You can listen to it on your commute. You can listen to it without any, you know, internet connection, etc. So yeah, it naturally, I suppose, goes that way. People just want more convenient things uh, tailored to them, really. And I, I suppose, it might be interesting looking forwards. Will it be possible in the future, maybe, to just pick one team throughout a season and just buy their games? Um, you know, as a, a Liverpool fan, what if I want to only watch Liverpool games? Uh, I mean, that's not the case for me, but it would be the case for a lot of people, I'm sure. Um, but I guess it would be interesting in the future if that would be an option for various fans around the world. I remember when the Eleven Sport deal was sort of leaked, I think, through the internet. They, they released it slightly early, I think. But when they did do that, there was a suspicion that there might be a Real Madrid package that you could buy for the season with just Real Madrid games so it would suggest that 11 sports are going that way let's talk a little bit about 11 sports because I think a lot of what I hear about them and I'm sure you're much more clued up than I am about this but they obviously started out a few years back and they've been they've been sort of buying up broadcasting rights around the world I think they've got quite a a big tv network in Singapore I believe Uh, and having read a little bit into the background of what was going on it was it was very interesting that they, what they seemed to be doing was challenging the norms that a lot of the traditional broadcasting stations would would use. They think about things in a different way. So I think in Singapore, for example, rather than having crusty old pundits doing the doing the comms and the and the analysis, they've been getting entertainers in. So people who are far better known for 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 just uh, being either comedians or TV hosts or personalities in that regard. And then another thing that I heard as well was that they, rather than using huge amounts of cameras which is i think sky tv use upwards of 30 or 40 cameras to film a game 11 sports were just using two so again changing the way obviously economizing in some sense in that regard but also thinking about what is it that our audiences want to hear and see and how they want to view this that we can actually use to to our advantage yeah it makes sense uh, i guess with as you mentioned, if they cut costs and economize on that front, they can reinvest their money into actually acquiring the sports rights, perhaps rather than over providing on you know various uh, angles and slow motion, etc. Analyzing offsides when uh, we don't really need to go over that too much. Um, but it's very interesting, actually. The I suppose what you mentioned about the uh, more comedians and the showbiz people on at halftime. Uh, 
when it comes down to halftime analysis anyway on the likes of Sky and BT, really it's about two or three minutes of discussing the, uh, I suppose, the refereeing decisions or maybe the flow of the game, and then it moves on to adverts again. Is that you know really what people want to see these days? I think most people would probably switch off the TV or go and you know make self a cup of tea at halftime rather than sit and do that. So maybe eleven sports do have something there in the fact that it is. Uh, you know, something new, something that people will definitely give a go uh, and something that will be more interesting than just listening to two minutes of, um, of you know, analysing whether it was a red card or not. Another thing I think that was quite indicative of what was happening with 11 Sports is that one of the reasons why their TV package was took so long to really be announced was because they were trying to get space on a TV channel so that their broadcasts can be viewed through TV. I don't know whether or not they've achieved that. I've not heard anything about it. So my question would be, has that happened? And if it has, does that mean that we're not going to have 11 sports broadcasts on pub televisions? Does that mean that we won't be able to go to the pub and watch the El Clasico, for example? Yeah, I believe it's still just streaming uh, through computers. I'm not sure if there's some kind of deal that pubs or you know public spaces can achieve for that. Obviously, when you watch Sky, etc., you see the little uh, pint glass in the bottom right-hand corner letting you know that it's uh, you know allowed to be broadcast there. I... To my knowledge, I haven't heard anything about that from 11 Sports so far. It seems to be it's very much just targeted towards the individual. Um, I'm sure and I think they would be missing a trick if they didn't reach some kind of agreement there. It is Obviously, we do want to have as convenient uh, watching of sport and football as we can. But there's always, you know, you want to go with your mates and say, oh, let's go and have a drink. Let's meet up and then let's go and watch the football afterwards. It's very much a a social event. You don't want to be sat at home the whole time watching. I mean, some people might, but I think the vast majority of people do want to go out and kind of make it a social experience as well as just watching the game. And I think another interesting thing for the approach that 11 sports have is that they're targeting smaller markets. So I think they've got, they've got obviously La Liga and Serie A big leagues in their own right, but particularly Serie A, I don't think is a, a big market in the UK, for example. They also have MLS, they have Eredivisie as well in, in the Netherlands. And it seems to be this is the way that they are, are really trying to corner the market. They're picking up a lot of niche broadcasting rights in a lot of niche sports in a lot of niche countries around the world. How do you think that will work out for them in the long run? Is that is that a business winning idea or is that is that going to simply drain their resources? I think it is the right approach. Uh, you know, when you look at the Titans, you know, BT Sport, Sky Sports, you can't just go in, you know, knock on the front door and just ask for rights really. And if even if you do manage to acquire those rights, people who haven't heard of them might not trust them. I think it's better to kind of wean your way in and get people talking about you such as we are and then raise the awareness and then you can kind of go in for the more mainstream approach. I mean, I think they start out, they did actually get Premier League rights, but they were the, uh, the rights to broadcast in Taiwan. So you see very much starting small, growing their base. I think it's very much the right approach. You, you can't, I mean, obviously it could work if you go, like I said, go straight for it, go for the Premier League rights in the UK, but people haven't heard of you they might not trust you as much i think it makes much more it's a much more sensible approach to uh, to go in this way so you think that this approach is entirely brand building based it's not it's not based on this idea that actually people's habits of viewing habits are becoming more diverse i think it's a combination of the both i think it, i would say that it's mostly brand building personally i think like i say you can't just you know go for it straight away um but yeah people's viewing habits have become more diverse and it is you know good to have that option of uh, i suppose having that subscription and going for various different sports as well uh, but yeah I, I would read into that personally as more brand building on on that side 
In terms of whether or not you think 11 sports are going to be successful, how would you go about thinking about that? Do you think it's just a, is it just a case of wait and see how this season goes and see what they do next season in terms of of applying for rights and stuff? I think in, in theory, they have, you know, everything seems to be looking rosy for them at the moment. I, I guess it depends on really how many people actually sign up, obviously. But um, looking at, it does look quite, like quite a cheap, uh, quite a, you know, a low price to me, six six pounds a month kind of thing. It, it, I guess they would need quite a lot of people to kind of make that profitable in that sense. Uh, so I guess it will be a case of wait and see what happens next year. But I think the approach is right. I mean, you look at, uh, Netflix, for example, who uh, were founded in 1997. I doubt any of us would have heard of them until uh, much later on. You know, they started as similar to your blockbuster kind of uh, renting DVDs. But then in 2007, it's when they uh, came online and actually did the, um, you know, the online streaming service, which is, I suppose, when they started to take off. And then maybe about five years or so, if you hadn't heard of Netflix, you know, <laughs> you've been living under a rock, really. So I think that's probably the inspiration that Eleven Sports drew from. Uh, going on that streaming service, building up that brand. And then once everyone knows you, you know, Netflix are still getting millions and millions of new uh, subscribers every single month. So I think that's probably what the 11 sports approach is and what they hope to emulate. Yeah. And I suppose interesting that you mentioned Netflix, because I I suppose there's a similar analogy to be made there with, with their approach to film broadcasting and the way that, that these various companies are doing it with football. But in the sense that with Netflix, what we're seeing is they, they do have a certain amount of rights for certain films. They also have their own um, series that they can have on and they're directly competing with companies like Amazon Prime. I think, I guess where I find it slightly weird is that obviously Amazon Prime can have a few matches in the Premier League, BT can have a few matches in the Premier League, Sky can have a few matches in the Premier League and, and you don't really have that quite that same level of competition in the in the as we're saying the, the film and series industry. Do you think that that is going to be how it is long term in, in TV broadcasting for football or do you think it will get to a point where where someone like the Premier League will say we want all of our games on one channel. It's it's too much for, to expect people to have subscriptions to three. I think you have to have three subscriptions now to be able to watch every Premier League game that's broadcast. Yeah, I mean, it helps obviously that Netflix had that leg up, uh, I suppose, on everyone else in terms of being one of the first platforms to go down the streaming route. Um, 11 Sports, I say, looks to be going that way, but you know, it's easy to forget Netflix runs a loss of millions. Uh, they're, they're doing this very much for the long term and uh, their share price is still going up. So they must be doing something right. I think 11 Sports obviously may be going down that route as well. We mentioned the fact that they spent so much money and they seem to be so cheap. Um, but I suppose looking at the future there, I don't think the Premier League will ever want one company to have a monopoly because competition is what drives price up. And that ultimately is what as I say, the Premier League has become, the, as we all know, the richest league uh, in the world. And I really don't see why any reason why Premier League would take pity on poor us who have to get three subscriptions. They just want that price to keep going up. And the suckers that we are will keep paying it. I mean, I hope probably will. So unfortunately, that's probably how I see it. I think it will just stay as a you know healthy, if you want to call it, competition between the various broadcasters. Do you think there's any point that it might come to where people stop buying the subscriptions? I don't know one of the maybe at the beginning of last season, there was a lot of noise being made about the fact that obviously illegal streams are much more popular than they've ever been. They've been easier to get. Uh, people use them. They're, they're of a higher quality that you can actually use them. Do you think that that will actually ever cause the market to, to not 
not burst the bubble, but do you think it will it will normalize the price? It will bring the prices down somewhat. I know, for example, like you said, you know the 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 reason why Sky want to have these different streams of broadcasting rights is because it drives prices up and people will still keep paying for them. And I think, I mean, one of the reasons why I think they do that is because there's a sort of psychological element to it, isn't it? Where you think, oh, Sky Sky TV broadcasts for the Premier League have gone down this season but then you don't think well you know I'm getting half as many games as I was getting last season you have to add to that the fact that you then are paying for BT so it's an extra whatever it is a a month and then Amazon Prime presumably and when you add those all together obviously the the consumer is paying more and more and more on year but do you think that that streaming will ever will ever sort of puncture the, the bubble a little bit? I certainly hope illegal streaming. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah good, good uh, clarification there. Um, <clears throat> well, obviously, you don't want to, I suppose, promote um, the illegal streaming, really. But you know, you have to hope that something will change this um, this market of just prices driving up and up and up. I mean, when I lived at home a couple of years ago, my parents insisted on moving away from Sky just because of the price. But then we moved to BT, who. You know, we didn't move to online in, in any kind of sense there. That's they sort of very linear option in between Sky and BT. Um, and I think that will be a case for a lot of people. I think obviously the younger generations are more aware of the, uh, I suppose, the illegal streaming service. I, my parents would not have a clue how to <laughs> how to kind of access that uh, at all. So I, I don't see it dropping off enormously. Um, you, you know, you, you you just have to hope that you know, the more people drive onto this uh, illegal stream will help burst that price. But I know that uh, Premier League actually, I think, tweeted from one of their accounts that they are actively looking at closing down more illegal streaming. They're dedicating more resources to actually denying this um, as an option. I, I can't remember. It wasn't from the direct Premier League Twitter account itself, but it was from one of their kind of administration uh, accounts as well. But it's uh, it was interesting. A lot of people reacting uh, quite interestingly to that quite defiant in the fact that they're going to carry on and they're going to keep going and and finding those illegal streams so we'll have to see i guess yeah and i think again as someone who has used illegal streams in the past i should probably not say this but (laughs) in recent years having moved from being a student into having a job where i have a little bit of disposable income the decision to be able to so for example i've signed up for 11 sports network this week mainly for because because it will help my job but also because I, i i do want to be able to, I also think it represents a fairly good value for, for what you're getting. When you consider the fact that 11 Sports is £6 a month or £50 for the year and Sky Sports Day Pass is £7, it, uh, you, you, I mean, obviously they're trying to undercut the, the market there and make, they're probably making, as you say, huge losses. Do you think then that that means that the, the business model is going to be driven by this ability for new companies to come in and then Will people just sort of jump from from company to company as new companies come in and seek to undercut the market in order to build brands? It's it's very possible, but I think once it reaches something like six pounds a month, and if we were to get you know Premier League action for six or maybe even slightly more, let's say ten pounds a month, you know uh, most people I don't think will make the distinction between ten pounds and then if it's undercut to eight pounds by a new network. I think hopefully it would. Uh, end up just sticking to a certain point where we don't have to go through the hassle every year of going oh we've got a new sports network who are going to be giving us we're going to say 12 pounds a year i don't think most people would when it reaches that point it's different you know sky when you're looking at the whole because often they force you to buy their internet package with it often you have to buy even a dial-up like a phone line which no one uses anymore and you end up paying you know north of sort of 60 70 pounds sometimes uh whereas you could get 
what you want if it is the football obviously you may want some more than that but you can get specifically football for six pounds a month which is a very very drastic difference so i guess the the, the obvious question just there then is do you think that because 11 sports are thinking a little bit more about what it is that the consumer wants that sky haven't had to do for so long because they will have the monopoly do you think that this is actually going to one make the sky broadcasting packages much more attractive to people as consumers and also actually bring their prices down as well but when they realize you know we don't have to offer them this whole rigmarole of a, of a package which has like you say either internet connections or landline connections that no one uses anymore etc or has to have you know sky atlantic in it which no one watches anyway because they never put anything good out on it do, do you think that will that will start slimlining a lot of the a lot of the broadcasting packages uh, apart from game of thrones of course john on sky atlantic. <laughs> but um, but no i can completely take your point i think they they really have to do that they have to think outside the box and do something different um i think it's interesting actually uh looking at uh if we look at the states for example i think they're quite good innovators in that regard i know um i can't remember the name of the company exactly but there's one that offers an nba league pass to all the basketball games and you can actually pay 99 cents to watch the last quarter of a game if it's uh, if it's a close match a lot of people switch off and they don't bother oh you know this team's winning by 30 points there's no point uh, but they're actually going to have uh, something that pops up on your phone and says hey this is a close game pay 99 cents to watch the last quarter um which you know i'd be interested to hear your take on that as well but i think that's a very good example of you know, someone thinking outside the box and thinking, what do people actually want to get out of these games? Do they want to see something tense? You know, do you want to flick on and see, you know, Man United beating, I don't know, Derby County like 5 0 or something? Or do you actually want to? Is that something that Sky could maybe go towards or something like a streaming platform could go towards? I, I don't know. I'd be interested to hear what, what your thoughts are as that being applicable to, to football as well. Yeah, no, a few thoughts on that. First being that I do think that the US is leaps and bounds ahead in terms of most sports media. I mean, the very fact that I, I'm running this podcast because there isn't a sports media podcast or football media podcast in the UK that I'm aware of. You know, no one really thinks about the, the industry as a phenomenon. I watch a lot of baseball and I watch that through MLB.tv, which is a subscription package which you get. You pay $100 at the beginning of the year and you can watch every game live if you want. You can watch it with the commentary for the home team or the away team. You can listen to the radio broadcasts through that, and all of the games are archived as well. So that represents a huge. I mean, that's each 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 baseball team plays 162 games a season. That's a huge amount of value for money that you're getting from from whatever it works out at something like something like fifteen dollars a month, probably when when you break it down into months of the season. And it's all available through the MLB. So the MLB have retained their own broadcasts rights. And then they, they allow basically local TV stations to, 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 to use those broadcasts. And then they aggregate them all on this, on this platform. And it, the result, I think, is, is pretty brilliant. And I think one reason why baseball has had to do that is because baseball is sort of a funny game in terms of, uh, in terms of because it has 162 games a season, obviously. There's a sense in which, you know, you can sort of die the death of a thousand pitches or whatever you want to say. So they've had to think about how they engage with their, with their view. But at the same time, every American sport has that. You know, you can get an NBA viewing pass for, for I, I can't remember what it's called. Um, you probably do, but um, you can watch all of their games through through their, their streaming system as well. I know that the NHL does it as well and NFL does it as well. So 
what I find most interesting about this is that, and maybe this is the area we should start moving on to, is that so much of the football world is determined by TV revenues that it seems as though the viewing and consumption of football will always be impelled on by how the TV revenues are coming in, like how much there are, how the broadcasts are being done, who's got the rights for those broadcasts. Whereas it feels in the US sports, and I may be wrong here, but it feels as though the development of those sports is not driven so much by the the TV revenues. There is value for those companies that comes elsewhere. And I think that it might be quite interesting to have a comparison between the way that US sports are consumed versus the way that uh, English sports are consumed. And I think that goes right down into every area of sports media in the UK. So much of what we do as football journalists is actually influenced by where the money is coming from. So, for example, a a lot of freelance journalists will be writing for betting sites because that's where the money is coming from Uh, a lot of people obviously the fact that the tv rights are where the smaller teams for example are getting a lot of their transfer budgets from that means that the way that the broadcasting is done is not questioned maybe as much as it as it could be Uh, and it's very much left to market forces saying well you know competition is good things that will only change when when the when the market readjusts to deal with things so in answer to your in answer to sorry that was a very roundabout way of, of of talking about about your question which was do i think that there are new and innovative ways that football broadcasting companies could come to this and change the way that they're doing things in order to benefit the consumer i think yes but i think the question is always to what extent does the consumer actually drive these companies in that sense and i think it's only now that we're seeing companies like 11 sports come along that we're going to actually start having those sorts of innovations so 11 sports is, is very clearly doing that in order to get their market share they have to think about how do we do things differently so they're looking at individual markets they're looking at doing things in singapore in a way that will attract their market there obviously because so much of what singapore probably has had in terms of premier league broadcasting is just the english model plumped onto their country and that may not be the best way of doing things and vice versa the 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 fact that we've done things forever in this way in terms of sports broadcasting doesn't mean that it's right and there might be better ways of doing it now so i think it'll be it will be interesting to see what effect 11 sport has on the market because it does feel as though they are innovative the other two companies really that we've had i mean ignoring companies like satanta bt and and sky feel very similar they do things in the same way they're very traditionalist they have the traditional football pundits on there they've poached people from other forms of football media so for example bt sport on its european show has a lot of the podcast market on it in in a bid to i think attract that that market but in many respects the, the model has been unchanged for the most part so i'm interested to see what effect 11 sport has on the way that we start seeing broadcasting being done and also i think the way that consumption is being done will if if you can't watch la liga and i'm not saying that any everyone goes to pubs in order to watch la liga football or even if anyone goes at all but if as soon as that moves into the premier league and you can't broadcast premier league games straight into a tv then how will that change the way that the, the, the sport is consumed in this country? So lots of thoughts there. How would you respond to, to some of those ideas? 
I, I completely agree. I think that, you know, being a new player, 11 Sports will hopefully make the traditional broadcast sit up and, and think about these kind of things. I think one thing I would say is that BT Sport last season obviously moved to, I can't remember, I think it's BT Sport Score is their 3 p.m. Saturday show. Um, they did move to have that free to air on Twitter. So, you know, that is something different that Sky had not done, etc. Um, so I guess it shows that they want to change. They do want to kind of adapt to these things, um, which obviously I think it played quite well in their favour. Everyone was quite happy about that. If you're out and about, you can just watch it for free. But, you know, they do need to do more in that sense. Um, obviously, you can stream their ga- you can stream their games live on your, on your computer and on your phone anyway. Um, but it just feels like they... Yeah, kind of needs to do more and think outside the box a bit. Obviously, the the NBA pass, for example, that I mentioned, etc. It's just something away from maybe just having the game in its traditional format with its traditional, I suppose, ways of thinking. Really, uh, yeah, I think you you know, eleven sports should hopefully drive some kind of change in that regard. And I think maybe the final question that I would put to you is: we've talked a lot about how the amount of money or the TV revenues will change the way that consumers deal with the sport and how they want the sport to be broadcast to them we've not talked so much about the effect that those tv revenues will have on football itself because obviously the premier league has gone through a boom i'd, I'd say even in the last with the, with a, with a more egalitarian redistribution of the tv revenues around the various football teams in the uk it, it feels as though the the, the premier league's transfer system is based on those tv revenues and so you would think that were it to be the case that that those that that figure starts coming down as people become more um, reticent to spend huge amounts of money on their because i think that the, the way that i would think it is you know i paid six pounds per month last year to watch la liga Serie A, the eredivisie and mls mm-hmm. If that changes in the next couple of years and then it goes back up ex- expensive again, I think a lot of the consumers will say, why are you having to, if you can offer us those sorts of deals, why is the price going north again? And will that mean then that the, that the TV revenues go down and then will that mean that football changes? Um, and then how will that then affect broadcasting? Will it be the case that people will get bored of the Premier League if, mm. if there's not all of this money being, I mean, it, even in the last couple of days, the, the promoted teams, I think, spent north of a hundred million pounds between them, yeah. which has never happened before. And it, that, that's even before. TV revenues come into it. Yeah. Like, you, you look at clubs down in the championship and the, all the teams who've spent are the teams who have the parachute payments from coming down from the Premier League. So do you think there'll be any effect there? Yeah, um, you'd feel like it. I mean, it depends. The very top tier clubs, when you look at you know Manchester United, Liverpool, etc., they go on these pre-season tours, etc., to uh, to you know the Far East. They go to the States because they built up quite a commercial base there already. I feel like that's a good kind of uh, you know insurance policy for them. They do have those kind of that commercial popularity over in those places, which is obviously a good place to start making a lot of money just from nothing to do with tv really you're going over to a continent and promoting your brand a bit more but obviously if the tv money was to drop it would have to have some kind of effect surely i mean these tv deals are absolutely enormous i think it was actually the liverpool um the owner of fsg wasn't he complaining saying that, that there should have been an even bigger gulf between the top six and the rest of the the rest of the Premier League because they're the ones who are putting on the great show. They're the ones that deserve even more of the TV revenue. So I guess they still want to see it grow. If it were to burst, you'd have to think that it would it would change. I mean, look at 
France, for example, I mentioned uh, Canal Plus losing out on a lot of their TV rights. Media Pro um, picked those up. I believe they're doing a lot of um, you know work in uh, in Spanish football as well. I can't remember where based exactly, um, but I mean money is going up in the other leagues as well. So I guess it'll be interesting on my point. Maybe not football as a whole, but in terms of the Premier League dropping down a level and the others going up a level, maybe that would be something to look at moving forwards because the other one the other leagues are actually learning from the premier league and how to export their brand uh, i mean the french equivalent of the community shields um the trophy de champion was in um held in shenzhen in china so they're very much looking at exporting their brand and making it a global uh, a global thing and not just a french viewing thing as well so yeah it's interesting to see where things go in that regard it would uh, i could easily see these leagues leveling up in terms of I suppose playing, um, what am I trying to say, the, the quality of players more so than anything and the quality of teams. I could see it very much leveling out over time, but it would very much depend on that massive revenue drop from the Premier League in particular. No, that's, that's all very interesting. I'll let you go. Thank you very much for talking to us, Connor. Is there any way that we can follow you on Twitter? Do you cover this sort of stuff on your Twitter feed? <laughs> yeah, to, well, to a certain extent, um, the Twitter feed is just at Connor Ketley, C-O-N-O-R-K-E-T-L-E-Y, the one N, sorry. Just <laughs> a lot of people miss it out. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I suppose, where I'm based. I do a bit of writing as well for uh, Real Sport 101, who, of course, you're very familiar with uh, <laughs> on various topics. But um, yeah. Your company as well, is there anywhere we can get any information about, about their various events that are put on or is there any uh, social media feeds that we should follow for that? Yeah, so, I mean, the website is called uh, just leadersinsport.com. Very <laughs> simple and not too hard to forget. Uh, and then the Twitter feed, I think it's called Leaders Biz, uh, B-I-Z at the end. So uh, they, they post a lot of sports news. So I would say if you're interested in keeping up to date with those kind of things, uh, definitely give them a follow. They'll be sharing you know, various, uh, I suppose, news flashes from around the world in terms of uh, rights being acquired, etc., and people that we've had on stage and what they've got to say on various topics as well. Uh, um, I think there's actually something that was tweeted just uh, two days ago uh, talking uh, the clip of the um, 49ers uh, president speaking about um, sports future rights. So, yeah, check it out. Cool. Thanks very much, Connor. No, right, thanks, John. Thanks for listening to the Football Media Podcast with me, John McKenzie. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate and review on iTunes or follow us on Twitter at T-O-J-O-S underscore. You can tune in next week to hear Josh Schneider-Weiler talk to us about the football podcast industry, but until then, have a good week. Goodbye.